You're listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. My guest today was responsible for one of my favorite films last year, Krisha, as well as already one of my favorite films from this year, It Comes at Night. As far as his features go, that's where his list of credits stops at the moment, but I was eager to get him in here to talk today because I have no doubt we're seeing the beginnings of an impressive career. Between these two films, Trey Edward Schultz has arrived as an exciting new voice in filmmaking, and we're delighted he could come here and talk to us today. Trey, Honored thanks for coming on here. the show. Thank you, How about man. that? I build you up. I know. I love it. I love doing that. I love it. Get I'll people feeling it. good at, at, just right off the bat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> humbled. Humbled. <laughs> well, I want to start uh, maybe a little heady territory, but there's like a short list of filmmakers to me right now, uh, in my estimation that do so much by revealing so little in their craft. Yes. I think of folks like yourself and uh, Jeremy Saulnier, yeah. who did Blue Ruin and Green Room, and Jeff Nichols, a friend yeah. of mine, Mud and friend of mine as well. He's awesome. I love that guy. Uh, same film school. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. He's, he's good people, man. Yeah, man. Jim Mickle, I think, has shades of that. I think Jordan Peele Definitely. pulled that off with Get Out. Definitely. You know, it's just there's an economy at play, and I think it's... I tend to think it's something that's acquired, not really natural. So it's impressive to see it out of young filmmakers. Sure. But let's just start there. Like, what's your philosophy? Do you, like, what kind of stories are you interested in telling and how are you interested in telling them visually? Well, um, you know, like you said, I've only done two so far, but so far, 100% personal, personal stories, uh, stuff that come from me and that like come from my heart and soul and that I would die to make, you know, and I'd say past that is like human stories and stories about people and dynamics between those people. Um, and then maybe, I don't know, always, you know, there's also the thing like what you're talking about where like less is more mm -hmm. and, and how subtlety can go far and that's on my mind. Um, but I don't know. I'm still like figuring it out, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, 28. 28. Wow. That's yeah, so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nichols has this thing. He says, you know, he's he's in the midst of an ongoing experiment where it's like, how much can I strip away? That makes sense. Do you yeah. think in those terms? Um, honestly, I probably don't have it as figured out as Jeff yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because, like, I've, I've only done two movies. So I will say, though, especially with Night, and with editing and I edited it longer than Cresha, um, that was actually very conscious and like what I discovered with this film in particular, what I believe, you know, I don't know, it's up to anyone else, but what I think is more effective is less, especially with this movie and the subtlety can go a long way. And that goes from leaving narrative questions unanswered intentionally. So the movie sticks with you and, and, and you notice new things in it all the way to how much you reveal about a character to what we're getting at thematically and, and not be too didactic about that and leave it open. So people have different interpretations and um, yeah, even to where like an editing, there was like a whole other ending uh, that I stripped out of it and, and discovering this less is more thing. And yeah, I don't know. Did you come into it with that in mind or like, you know, how much on a movie like this do you overshoot? Do you provide yourself with options and ways out or do you go into it thinking, okay, I want this to be a little bare. So I'm going to limit myself to what I have. You know, I wish I actually would have shot even more because I'm, 
I'm probably against the notion. Well, I'm certainly against against the notion of traditional coverage. Like we never do traditional coverage, even if it's like you know uh, close up dialogue scene. We're dialogue scene. We're still trying to think of a unique way to play the beats of the scene. Um, I did. I did find myself in corners sometimes where whether it's just doing a single take or um, or how I covered it to where like, ah, if I just would have done this one little thing, I would have had more outs and I would have had more flexibilities. So I'm still learning. But there was an approach uh, with this film that was different from Grisha too in that maybe even more of like a classical approach c- cinematically um, and more like less is more and how much, how much can we get away with not moving our camera like crazy, you mm-hmm. know? And... and um, when we're doing something like there's a scene where like Joel and Chris are at a tree and he's interrogating him. And it's like, we shot it and it's like an eight page scene. We shot in a single take, but we didn't want it to feel like a one or something that would draw attention to itself. We want it like my study cam guy had to memorize the beats of the scene and know when to subtly shift the camera and hopefully just envelop you in the scene. You Makes know? it feel like it's coverage, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- that's dope. You yeah. know, if you can like do that effectively in a way where it's not drawing attention to yourself, you're just immersed in the story and it's it but you're in it you know um yeah i really dig that well crecia was uh it was sort of fiercely edited uh which i loved because it puts you in the mindset of the character in many ways but it was still like uh there was a willful progression with with the narrative i mean this opening shot where you're just kind of tagging along with her as she finds the house that she's trying to go to yeah and there's a shot later in the movie. I, I write a column every year about the best shots of the year, and I chose oh, awesome. the shot. I, I read that. I love that. Yeah, I didn't you. know that was you, man. The, the zoom in, the push in. It's my f- one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's fantastic, and it allows the performance to breathe. So it's like even within this fiercely edited movie, you still have these things at play. Exactly. But with It Comes at Night, it's a fully far more patient movie to me. Yes. So was that willful? Was that like, I want to do something different editorially with the next film as well? It was. And it, it was about flexing different muscles. And that decision was made before editorial, you know, and how we shot it. And then limiting ourselves to how we shot it to where, you know, pretty much it's going to be edited that way, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might seem counterintuitive because people from the outside might come to it like, oh, now you're doing a real horror movie, which I don't even, I don't consider a conventional horror movie at all and mm-hmm. don't even look at it that way. But... Um, it was very much about that. And I, I think part of it is just wanting to push yourself and do different things. And then another part of it is like how personal the film is and where it comes from. And like, I was in grief when I wrote it and I think almost like that grief and that numbness hopefully like might come through in the final film at times and like seep into literally the film grammar and how we shot it and approach certain things. Could you explain that grief? Of course. Um, I So it's a weird one. I It's a long story. My dad and I had a messed up relationship. I have a stepdad and I had a biological father. Um, and he suffered with uh, addiction and he like went off the rails. And we, I cu- we cut off our relationship and I hadn't seen him in 10 years. And then he got pancreatic cancer and he was on his deathbed. And I saw him um, and he was so full of regret. Uh, and I, you know, I was just trying to give him peace and it was, uh, one of the most, you know, impactful moments of my life. And every day has changed since then. It's the closest I've come to death. And, uh, two months after that, I started writing and it started with the opening scene, uh, with what Sarah's saying to her dad is like what I was saying to mine, 
but then obviously it spins off into a totally fictional narrative, Mm -hmm. but the emotions and everything I was dealing with, you know, like death and fear and regret, my own, my own fears, my own mortality and, and all of that stuff is like hundred percent in the film and like the subtext and the relationships, um, there's stuff of like, uh, you know, between Travis and Paul is like, Paul is a mesh of my dad and my stepdad and Travis is a bit of me and all this stuff. And it's, it's super personal and linked, but the movie I think is designed to where like, hopefully like you can appreciate it just as a film without any of that. Um, so I don't know. No, that's, that's the good stuff. You know what I mean? As far as putting it into the work, I like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking back about Nichols again with with take shelter. When he told me that he wrote that thinking about his fears, uh, starting a family, Yep. You, you see the you movie in a completely it. different light. Totally. It, but amazing. even the first time you see it, that feeling he had, yes, yeah. you feel it in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that film. Well, it comes at night's intriguing to me now, too, because, uh, you know, it's funny. I had Michael Rooker on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we got off on some tangent about survivalists. Oh, yeah. And uh, just, you know, societal breakdown and, like, yeah. you know, that's a mortal terror you know so yeah. it left me curious as to whether you know what you just said maybe speaks to this but were those genre elements the kind of broader aspects of what the film would be was that your way into it or was it the themes which i themes that i take from it are themes of trust and and just the existential dread of yeah. protecting a family yeah uh, just what was your initial way in? Was it specifically what you just spoke to? The in, yes, yeah. and like the initial way in was just that personal place it was coming through, coming from, and the themes. But that being said, years prior to that, um, I have a family member that's a bit of a prepper, and uh, <laughs> I was with him a lot, and um, uh, I, I, you know, and also what. Joel says in the film or Paul's character to Travis that you can't trust anyone but family something my stepdad has told me my entire life Um, and I think you know I do think like just that alone like his worldview Travis's worldview that's like his worldview my worldview and Mm -hmm. so on and there's all that but apart from that when I was when I was doing this stuff I started getting images and like I was working in like the wheelbarrow and uh, I went to stores and bought guns. It was in Texas and we had gun safes and uh, stocking food and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting images of, uh, of this house and this family in this house. And that house became what I started picturing was that sort of a childhood house of mine, which was my grandparents' house. Um, but there were boards on the windows and gas masks and gun safes and, uh, and you know, certain scenes and certain things, but I didn't know what it was. Like, I don't even watch that many post-apocalyptic movies. I try to act like I'm not that into it, even though I am because like <laughs> that family member has rubbed off on me and that's one of my greatest fears as well. Uh, and a lot of it actually makes sense. Um, so no, totally. I mean, it became I became fascinating. To I had me. a neighbor like that and <clears throat> it's like I told Rooker, it's like, yeah, it's kooky, but then it's like when the shit goes down, I want that guy to be my neighbor. Exactly. <laughs> when shit goes down first place I'm going, you know, yeah, exactly. But it was funny. Cause like it took the stuff with my dad and that personal stuff and the th- like to mesh everything together. Yeah. And that's when I started writing it just, they naturally spewed together and came out like that. And that stuff about the the just existential dread of protecting yeah. a family. You don't have kids. I don't have kids. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it, that that stuff worked. <laughs> I'll say that as somebody with a kid, that stuff really worked in the movie. I mean that that is real a real emotion. Like 
putting myself in in you know Joel's position watching the movie. It yeah. was just uh, it's brutal. But it's good. Uh, I, I yeah. hope so. Was there anything else at play there though? Because you know, underneath it all, you start to want you know when a movie is so infused with that sense of dread, you start yeah. to wonder if things like the political climate have anything to do with your thought process or were working its way into your writing was that anything i think what's interesting because i wrote this first draft back in 2014 so uh you know it's not like the world was perfect then but it's not what it was now Mm -hmm. um so i wasn't drawing on particular where the world is per se what I was doing is reading books about genocide and thinking about us as a society and our tribal mentality and where we come from and family first and our tribes first and um, these cycles of violence that keep repeating um, and really the stuff that terrifies me and thinking about if it came to that whatever post-apocalyptic end of the world somewhat if if we keep if we stay in that mentality always and it's always family first no matter what um you know we're gonna go too far and where it's inevitable that we will destroy ourselves and like there's a line where for me my biggest fear is death but worse than that is i'm gonna have regret on my deathbed like my dad did and and a part of that it's like worse than death is you know, also losing your humanity in the process. And like all of this heavy shit was tied into where my head was at at the time. And then, um, when I was editing and stuff, stuff with our world kept happening and going the way it was. Uh, and it was really scary. Um, but you know, I don't know. All I know is like, we keep doing this and it keeps going in cycles and history repeats itself. Mm -hmm. And, and, I, th- I think that stuff's in the film. <clears throat> it is. I mean, I think it's in the final image of the film, too, which I won't yeah. get away, but yeah. you, you sense that right then and there. Um, yeah. yeah. Are you a video game fan at all? Ooh, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> I bet you do. Last of Us? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I wrote, I wrote the first draft of this before I played The Last of Us, uh, and I love The Last of Us, and I've now played it. I've honestly probably completed it on every difficult, like probably like six times or wow. something. It's the, to me, it's like the best movie video game. Absolutely. In combination of storytelling and, and video games. Uh, and, uh, yeah, anyway, I love that game. It, no doubt. It's obvious <laughs> that that leaked over into visual design mm-hmm. and aspects of the film. Even Joel kind of looks like Joel in the yeah. video game yeah. um, and every other. It was funny. When we were shooting and we would do a shot or something, I was like, oh, shit, this looks like The Last of Us. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that game's brilliant. It's That was the last game that I, like, fully played through, immersed yourself, you know, dedicate 50 hours to or whatever. Same here. Right before my son was born. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, with my, wow. with my wife being pregnant and playing that game. Wow. Which, you know, if people don't play games, uh, <laughs> listeners, it's, you know, about a guy protecting a girl. Yep. You know, and it's, yep. uh, that's why I mentioned the stuff about your film that kind of hit me. It's, it, it's uh, intriguing how that worked with a video game. But you're right. And I just want to say, I don't know if you'd be interested in doing it. But if anyone's taking, whoever has the rights to that, and they're taking meetings with directors, you should direct The Last of Us, man. Hey, man, get get Neil Druckmann on the phone or something. Like, I, I'm certainly interested. Yeah. I love that. I think I think that could be an amazing film. Totally. I mean, it kind of already is. Yeah, it's an exactly. Movie. Exactly. But then you'd have to. I think you need like a cinematic guy to make it a yeah. singular cinematic experience. And I know you could do that, and it could be dope. But who knows? Somebody call this guy. I know, right? Get him on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, speaking of which, actually, do you have your next thing lined up? I have. Um, I do have a script that I started writing before uh, pre-production uh, with Knight, and it's been. It's another thing. Like Knight was. It was like I said, images and stuff were in my head, and mm. it took a while for it to click. And with this other thing, images were in my head, and it took a while for it to click. But then it did click. And instead of like death and fear being the thing that clicked it, with this one, it was like love, mm-hmm. love and hate, and mm-hmm. that dichotomy. And um, yeah, so my next one, I always talk about the stuff I'm do- writing or whatever in like really abstract terms. But mm-hmm. I kind of see it right now. It's like family over the course of the year and uh, over the course of a year and these kids in high school and it's like split into two halves and I want it to flow like a piece of music like Goodfellas or Boogie Nights or Days and Confused or something but then like the first half is this like downward spiral into tragedy and then the second half um, is like recovering from that tragedy and leading into love and light and um, I don't know I think it could so be amazing. So probably a different ending than Yes, certainly a different ending. And, well, the cool thing, too, I think, uh, is it has elements of night. It has elements of Carisha. But then it's something totally new and different. Um, and just, like, another real, like, personal part of me. And it's my baby, and i got to make it. So uh, who knows if that's next, but I want to get back So you're to just writing. doing that on spec right now? Yeah, totally. Okay. And um, I'll get back. Once I need – we shot in August. I have not slowed down since. I just finished the movie, like, two weeks ago. And I need like a break, and then I want to get back to writing. Don't take too long off, man. I know, totally. I can't get I can't. the ring rust. Well, I got. Uh, I desperately wanted a break so bad. I just wanted to get out of New York, go back home to Florida, and I was. Uh, I was home for four days of rest and already I got antsy. I was like, I can't just sit. I got to do something. I got to like, I was reading scripts and stuff and brainstorming and getting anything going for the next thing. So I can't sit for too long. Yeah. You live in Orlando, right? I do. What's, what's that like? Uh, I, I dig it. It's uh Florida is like a tropical Texas and I'm from <laughs> Texas and I love the beach. So it's simple, but it's also my girlfriend's from there. Um, you know, it just made sense financially and everything else. And, you know, I dig it. Um, you going to stay there, you think? At least for now. And I like not being in New York or L.A. Um, just like I like going back to a world where no one gives a shit about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, you have a movie coming out this week? <laughs> they, were, what, they were like, what is it? They, they're like, oh, that's cool. No one cares. But <laughs> I, I, I like that. That's what I grew up with, you know. Is there much of like a film community out there, I mean, you think Not of like no. Austin and there North Carolina is, has their elements. There's but. there's a collective in Miami, but I'm not. I don't know them. I'm not yeah. in with people. Like I've always been that way too. Like even when I lived in Austin, I was I didn't feel like I was in the like filmmaking community, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird. I don't know why, but I did doing Crescia and like the festival tour with Crescia that was really long. It was over a year. Um, and I met so many amazing filmmakers on that and like people who I think will be friends the rest of my life. Um, so that was really beautiful. Would you want to shoot something there or would you want to Florida? Yeah. I want to do the next movie in Florida. Okay. So we'll see how it goes. Cool. Uh, let's see. Great cast for this movie, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Carmen and Jogo. She's so good. And I, every, I'm just so happy when she's in stuff lately. Like I saw her in alien covenant, which I did not. I still haven't seen yet. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, but I I wanted more of her in it. She's so good in it. Great in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so just, you know, any general thoughts on Carmen? I, I think she's fantastic and she's a great human being, crazy talented. And, uh, 
What's interesting, Carmen has a way, I don't know about, but a less showy role than like Joel or other characters in this movie. And she has to do a lot of stuff uh, silently and subtly and off to the side, but she does it and it's great. And there's a lot of awesome subtext there and like, just pay attention to her because she's doing stuff and it's great. It makes it all feel more real, you know? I hope so. Uh, It's also her character's interesting because I think it's like she, she... I don't want to spoil a movie, but as things go in a certain direction, she almost even has it, gets it together even more than Paul. And like when at the end end, when it's like the worst stuff, like she steps up and is there for someone and mm-hmm. Paul's not, he's not even in the room, Yeah, which is really interesting to like, just see their character arcs in that way. But that's yeah, other stuff. Everyone see the movie and you'll know what we're talking about. Hell yeah. Uh, just kind of lightning round stuff. Really? Uh, you probably get asked this stuff a lot being a, uh, you know, new filmmaker on the scene, but, like, who are your favorite filmmakers? Uh, favorite filmmakers, um, no doubt, Paul Thomas Anderson, Kubrick, Scorsese. I got to work for Terry Malick a bit. I loved him. Jeff's one of my favorite working. Um, who else? I really love, like, Cassavetes and Altman and Bergman, um, Tarkovsky. Uh, I don't know. You so, know, so all like the, the correct greats, answers. The greats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what are your favorite movies? Favorite movies. Inspiring movies for you. Inspiring movie. I mean, honestly, it totally fluctuates. Um, Stuff I go back to time and time. Like, making making night, I, like, watch There Will Be Blood all the time. And just the way he uses the camera, you know, and the film grammar. And then, actually, I had three movies on my laptop that were comfort food (laughs) for, like, just, like, when I wanted to feel good and get away from the movie. The movies were The Shining, Taxi Driver, and There Will Be Blood. Jesus. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I those are movies where, you know, it, they're made by geniuses. And just it's comforting to see, like, the craft of a yeah. movie like that. And if you can separate from the dark material yeah. or whatever they're about and just, like, focus on the craft, that's, like, comfort food for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I get you. And, and I really love that. So I, I, there's a lot of others, but, yeah. And then I saw – I was just doing some research beforehand. I think our sister publication, IndieWire, asked you some questions about uh, early uh, film memories. And you had mentioned Land Before Time yeah. and uh, Charlotte's <laughs> Web, which is fascinating because yeah. those are probably two of my early experiences. Really? Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Land Before Time was the second movie I saw in the theater. The first one was Masters of the Universe. That's amazing. <laughs> but uh, – yeah, Land, I don't know. I just wanted to ask you about Land Before Time. Like, so I haven't seen those movies literally since I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. I never went back and rewatched them. And I don't know if this is true, but are those movies sad? Or am I just projecting stuff? Because in my well, head... I should, certainly Charlotte's Web has, like, the, the foreboding... I can't like, remember crying at the end of Charlotte's yeah, Web. Yeah. Land Before Time, I don't, like... I just remember it was sad. And, like, I don't know. There were movies, like... Honestly, I can't even tell you everything that happens, but I remember the emotions they gave right. me. And like as a kid, I had the uh, had them on VHS, and I'd like there were those were ones I would rewatch and rewatch. Yeah. And like I just like they just did it for me emotionally. Whether it was like the sweetness or the humor going to like I don't know if they're sad or not, but in my head I cried and they were sad. I they're, don't know. They, they have more of a mature sheen to them, especially yeah. Land Before Time. Like you know, it doesn't feel like any other yeah like a Disney cartoon or something. Yeah, you know, there's there's completely different uh just aesthetic and atmosphere that's probably what it is and that's probably what i was jiving with yeah awesome it's fascinating uh and then just i'm bouncing around a little bit but i wanted to talk about uh you know i ask this sometimes 
not to like insinuate uh, that there's anything derivative about the imagery, but was there anything about with with uh, the new film that like did you guys look at artwork or anything like that? Like, was there anything regarding the look of the film that you were p- potentially looking to emulate? Anything like that? We um, same DP, right? From same Krisha. DP yeah. as Krisha, and actually, I think he's stepped. Like this is a way bigger challenge as a DP than Krisha was, and he he's Drew's amazing. I love that dude. Um, Honestly, I don't know if there was that much art and stuff. We would just like steal stills from different films, Mm -hmm. and I know big thing just like lighting wise was you know we have boards on the house and we want our day interiors to have a different look than our night interiors obviously so there's that right there and that's just a tricky balance and then past that um we wanted the night to feel like night and to really feel the night i think night's terrifying like it's the mm-hmm. darkness it's terrifying but so many so many films do movie lighting for night and you it, you don't feel the darkness so for everything we did we did like practical lighting with uh, flashlights and lanterns and um just getting creative with that and that was really dope um and then beyond that i i can't remember but stuff i talk like the filmmakers i love stealing mm-hmm. stills from their different films and um being inspired by that stuff uh but it was important to like really you know go about it cinematically and push ourselves as much as we could yeah i'm just always curious if uh, because you know it's a new art form, obviously filmmaking totally. com- comparatively. And so it's always interesting to me how still photography or paintings, artwork, whatever might influence a look with Definitely. a and a director. And, and so. I think honestly, Drew might have a lot of his own stuff that I don't even know about. But for me, I'm just, I'm just so like films are my jam that I always go to films and then, like the stuff outside of that, that inspired me was like the Bruegel painting that you see in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that really went over to like our palette or anything we right. played with. Uh, but it was more like the emotion that that led to. Um, and then books and stuff I was reading, but yeah. Do you want to stick with movies or do you want to do TV? Anything long form interesting to you? Uh, oh yeah. Open to t- I think incredible TV is being made. So totally yeah. open to it. I have, I could never like, I don't have any idea for a story that would justify that length. And that's so intimidating. So I feel like it would have to jump on someone else's idea or something else, yeah. but totally open to it. I don't know, but I do know like cinema and films in particular, what has been my jam always. And that's always my first love. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of TV shows I haven't seen cause I put movies first still, um, but open to whatever. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, again, the movie is, uh, it comes at night. We're talking to Trey Edward Schultz, What's the release date here? Help me out. June 9th. June 9th. Go see Around it. Around the corner. June 9th. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show, man. Thank you, really man. appreciate it. It was a pleasure. I loved it. Awesome. I'm going to try and help you and your family. I want to thank you again for letting us stay here. Just going to run through a few things. When we go out during the day, we like to stick to groups just for safety the red door. It's the only way in and out of the house. It stays closed and locked all the time. <laughs> I have the keys. It's the only set. <laughs> Most important thing. What's he see? It's okay. Just go inside. We never go out at night. The door was already open when you got there. Yeah. Then who opened it? 
Where's your mask on? Nobody's sick here. Can't trust anyone but family. You don't get it. How old are you, Travis? If they're sick, then I am too. If you're lying to me, I will kill you. 